0: And it nine oh is Monday night, it is August the 11th in the year 2020, the year is zip and right along, here. Tom Kearney on WPTF, I'm here every night, Monday through Friday, with a radio program that uh, suggests that it's going to entertain and uh, edify you, we are in live and in real time of course, we try to have uh, guests, and we try to concentrate in fact on guests from from this part of the world, from North Carolina, and environs, and one of the the guests from those environs that has been here right much is Dr. Mike Walnut who is a econ professor at the NC State University, and uh, in fact he's the William Neal Reynolds Professor at NC State University, and has been our constant guest and, until I took three months off uh, to have a broken leg back in the spring. Uh, Dr. Walden had been here every month, I think, since 1990. I interrupted your record, Dr. Walden. Well, well I'm I'm glad you're back, back on the men, Tom. Well, thank you very much. Dr. Walden talks about the economy, and uh, uh, in fact, uh, I, I don't know if you were a fan, doc, fan Dr. Walden, of Paul Harvey. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. In the in the uh, item that I put on the the uh, the uh, schedule on the website today, I said. Dr. Walden will have news and comment on the economy. And, mm-hmm. and Paul Harvey always said his program was filled with news and comment. And so uh, uh, and I, I said, where did I get that? And then I realized that I had borrowed it from Paul Harvey. And I thought you wouldn't mind that because he had a very successful radio career for a guy from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, w- the big news tonight, and I just discovered it, is that Dr. Walden, who is uh, a prolific economist in all ways,
1: but including publication, has a new book out. I do, I do. He's going to open the door here by telling us about that. Well, it's a book, Tom, that I I like to tell people it's been 40, actually more than 40 years in the making, because I'm now in my 43rd year at NC State on the faculty. Um, and as you know and I think as our listeners know I, I not only teach uh, students but I do a lot of public speaking workshops seminars part of our outreach effort and um, over, over the years when I go out and give a talk um, oftentimes we'll have questions and people ask me about current issues and, and um, current problems et cetera, uh, budget deficit uh, income inequality health care uh, you name it and um, I've uh, given answers and and studied up on those issues, again, over, over multiple decades. And about three years ago, when I had finished my <clears throat> last book on the North Carolina economy, um, I thought to myself, you yeah, know, it's, it's time to really write a book that at least gives my perspective on these, uh, these issues, and so I did. And this is, this is the result of this. The book is called Real Solutions, R-E-A-L Solutions, and the subtitle is Common Sense Ideas for solving our most pressing problems. And literally I go through, I think 18 of the top issues that, um, that, uh, people would associate the economy with, uh, with, uh, some of the ones that I didn't mention before that are in here would be, um, international trade, uh, the environment, social security, uh, taxes, um, immigration, um, housing costs, etc. So that, that book is now out and available, uh, go, you can go, easiest thing, of course, uh, at least for me in ordering books, is to um, go online, and the, and the big, or, the two big ordering websites, Amazon and Barnes & Noble, have it, and so the title is Real, R-E-A-L Solutions, and, and then you just put, if you're going to search for it, put that, and then put my name, Michael L. Walden. Spell, spell just like Henry David Thoreau's favorite part. Yeah, W-A-L-D-E-N, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm
0: okay well I shall look forward to cranking up the road to Amazon and seeing if I can get get my hands on a copy of it and see what what you have done now and and find the, the secret now that Mike Walden has come out of the closet and we, we <laughs> I I wanted to say that I just couldn't pass up that okay now I've done something again that I usually do to you I know the second dr. Walden Truth, Truth in Radio Broadcasting, Dr. Walden gives me a cheat sheet, and he gives it to me right before we go on the air, and it's the questions that really ought to ought to be asked, something that we ought to be talking about, and I, I value that because I have to keep up with the economy, but not well enough to always know with the expertise to tap his expertise, and this way we get down to what the most important things are. Now... Dr. Walden, the second thing you told me was there has been a large drop in the GDP. But the first thing, I can't read my handwriting.
1: Oh, the first thing, the, the July jobs report, which just you came go. out last Friday, and uh, it was a good report. We had uh, the, This is a national report. We don't have the July numbers yet for North Carolina. That will be, I think, uh, in two, two weeks, the 21st, yeah. A little little less than two weeks. But anyway, the, the July numbers were, were positive. We added 1.8 million jobs. And if you include the gains in the job market in June and May, we, we've just recovered about half the jobs that we've lost during this, this recession. Indeed, we are in, in a recession. And, of course, it is a very different recession because it's all been sparked by the, the COVID-19 virus. So we've recovered just about half the jobs, and I will say that doesn't mean that the jobs that were lost were the the exact same jobs that have come back. I think last time we talked about, Tom, and I'll I'll just reiterate a little bit, is that I think one of the lasting effects of this recession and of the COVID-19 impacts on the economy will be a big shakeup in the job market. But anyway, about a half the jobs have come back. Unemployment rate is uh, 10.6. It was up close to 15 at the peak. And we had pretty pretty much across-the-board gains in jobs. Uh, the biggest gainers were retail trade, business services, personal services. Um, the one sector that did lose, and it only lost a tiny bit, and these are national numbers, 15,000 jobs, was the tech sector. And some people may scratch their heads and say, well, that's odd. Uh, I thought technology is benefiting from all this working at home, et cetera. And I think what's going on there is even tech companies are feeling a little bit of a squeeze. And then uh, also what, what I think is going on is while the big uh, sectors like retail trade and personal services in the early months of the recession, particularly uh, March and April, were losing thousands and hundreds of thousands of jobs, tech sector was actually gaining jobs. <clears throat> so I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be really worried about that. que te hagas from interacting with the economy because if they hear about cases going up and, and the spreading of the virus, they can just voluntarily say, well, we're not going to go to go out and shop. We're not going to go to a restaurant, et cetera. So, so, so if there's a little bit of bad news about the July jobs report, it was that uh, although we gained, we did not gain at the same pace that we, uh, that we saw in the previous two months. And the only thing I'll say about this, Tom, is when, when people ask me, well, So what's going to determine where the economy is is going to be in the next several months? I give one word answer, the virus. Well, actually, two words, the virus. The virus is really determining our economic future, and there's not a lot we can do about it until we get the the virus under control. So so this is a very, very odd recession. Um, As I said before, this is in some sense a mandated recession because the health folks said we had to, limited interaction in order to keep the hospitalization, hospital system, and the healthcare system from being overwhelmed. Uh, looked like we were doing that pretty well. Then we reopened, and now we've had a, a reemergence of the virus. So um, the virus is really going to determine where we are and where we are economically in the next several months. Dr. Mike Walden on WPTF giving us news
0: and comments about the economy. We've already told you what the next topic is going to be. It's going to be dealing with a large drop and that'll be right after we take this break. and hey, I'm here on a Sunday night with the monthly visit of Dr. Mike Walden, professor of economics at uh, North Carolina State University. And Dr. Walden, you 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 did what I was told I always should do when you were on when you talked about the fact that being at a land grant university, you do teaching on the campus, you teach out in the public, and you
1: do research. but uh-huh. Uh, yes, and that is that does make and and I just a little background here. When I took the job at NC State now forty-three years ago, uh, I really didn't know. I mean, I came from Cornell, I came out of Cornell and great university and had great professors and had all kind of ideas about research and of course teaching. I really didn't have a clue what what the outreach part was, but it actually turned out I think that's been my the favorite part of my forty-three years. That NC State allows you to to get out, and, and I've been all over North Carolina, uh, and get out and, and work with people uh, who are actually doing real things as opposed to students in the classroom. Obviously, they're learning, but uh, work on real problems. I've been able to interact with governors and legislatures and, and uh, community uh, colleges and uh, county commissioners and mayors, et cetera, all over the state. So that's, that's been a great part of my career. I think that that's
0: one of the great inventions of the American um, mm-hmm. land grant system. Is the the, uh, the It started in the uh, during the Civil War, I believe. Yeah, it started during the Civil War, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the Extension Service. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can, I think, NC State used to say they probably still do that. They had an office in every county in the state. Oh, they
1: still do. Oh yeah, we well, want to actually. Uh, that's not true now in all states, but we have an extension office, which is, in some sense is the office of NC State University, too, uh, in every, all of 100, each, each of the 100 counties, yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, you, your colleague, Reese Edwards, told mm-hmm.
0: me that I always had to make sure that our listeners knew that, so I'm kind of kind of fulfilling his wish for me. Mm-hmm. The uh, GDP, yes, I'm trying GDP, to remember what uh, the letter stood for, domestic product, popular, Domestic product, Gross
1: yeah. domestic. report come out. says, and they're the ones that put these numbers together. GDP, and essentially, GDP is simply the sum of what happens in terms of production in an economy in any given period of time. In this case, a quarter. So it allows us to put together what farmers do, what manufacturers do, what service sector does, everything into one number. Um, when they say that the GDP fell by uh, one third, what the num there's a there's a, a preface to that. If you read closely the report, it says an annualized drop of 33%, annualized. Well, what does that mean? Well, what that means is that that 33% drop was the drop that would occur in GDP in the economy if what happened in the second quarter continued for three more quarters for the entire year. Actually, the drop... The, the drop in GDP during the second quarter was much less, 9.5%. But essentially the Commerce Department then gets that 33% by saying, all right, if we drop nine nine 9.5% in the second quarter and that continues in the, the following three quarters, your drop is going to be 33%. And some of your very quick listeners are going to say, well, wait a minute, 9.5 times 4 is more than 33. Well, there's some manipulations there due to um, seasonality. So This is somewhat deceptive because the reason the Commerce Department does this is that people like me and people like this business people who read these reports, they like to think an annual terms uh, that, that helps them compare quarter to quarter. But you do have to go behind the numbers here and realize the, the economy didn't shrink by a third in the second quarter. It actually shrunk by 9.5%, much less. And furthermore, I don't know of any economists Nine point five percent is going to continue for another three quarters. That nine point five percent shrinkage. In fact, I think the third quarter, which we're now in, because of the rebound in the in the economy, because of the reopening of a large part of the economy, it's going to be positive, and probably uh, GDP is going to be positive in the fourth quarter also. So that that is just that that's this doesn't doesn't take away the 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 fact that even a nine point five percent drop was bad. In fact, that's the largest drop for a quarter in our history. Um, But uh, when you hear the numbers,
0: a little inside and outside baseball talk. How about the, the Reds? How are they doing now? Uh, well the
1: Reds have uh I mean this is a bizarre season, Tom as you know. we was only sixty games and I think we're into what I think fifteen, roughly around fifteen for most of the teams. Some of the teams of course <clears throat> like the Cardinals and the Miami Marlins have had to shut down for a while because of outbreaks of the of Covid nineteen. Uh the Reds are uh, they're a little less than five hundred. They um um so they're they they are not doing as well as uh, I would have hoped, but um, I think they've got it. They've got a team that uh, hopefully will get one of those. What is it, Tom? Uh, fifteen? Is there going to be fifteen teams? I think in each league in the playoffs, something like that. I, I
0: will admit that I have not team. been able to keep up with it. Now, didn't Johnny Cueto used to pitch for the Reds?
1: I'm sorry, Johnny Cueto. Uh, yes, he um, um, he did uh, pitch for the Reds, and then the Reds. Um, uh, I think they they um, traded him when he became a free agent or before he became a free agent to San Francisco. Yeah, he was pitching a no-hitter, I think, last night is what I saw
0: okay, in the middle of the night on TV, and yeah. the, the center fielder completely lost a fly
1: ball, oh, and he didn't get anywhere near it. Yeah. He was I, saw, I saw Quoto pitch uh, in yeah. person when I, in one game I saw in Cincinnati, a very good pitcher. He, he's had a lot of uh, arm problems, which is typical for older uh, he's probably pushing mid-30s now and, and has a very, very violent uh, release, at least. Yeah, he's changed his We of pitching several times yeah. while he's been
0: in the majors. But well, we've got 10 seconds to say Dr. Mike Walden is our guest. We are talking economics, as we do once a month on WPTF. We're going to pause right now and check the news, and then we'll be back. 9.33, WPTF Radio Raleigh. AM 680, FM 80, no, 98.5. Got to get it right. And remember to put a button on your FM band, 498.5, so you can get WPTF there. Tomorrow night, our guest will be Bob Chandler of McVantage. When Bob comes, we talk about Mac computers and things that have to do with Apple products. So you'll want to to join us for that. And on a Wednesday night, uh, I'll be done. A Triangle Car Care will be here. We'll talk about automobile maintenance on this coming Wednesday night. Tonight we're talking with Dr. Mike Walden, his monthly visit, to uh, update us on the situation with regard to the economy. And I think, uh, Dr. Walden, if I can get this right, you have something to say about household
1: income. Uh, Household debt, actually, Tom. And I think, I think with what's all that's going on with the uh, the recession and COVID nineteen, it's it's good to find some. It's good to find good news, and this is actually a good news item. Typically during recessions, it should be surprising households take on more debt. The reason being that during a recession, they tend to have higher unemployment, more people um, uh, straining those purse strings, and they oftentimes will have to borrow money to to make ends meet. Well, it's been different during this recession. We've actually seen in the last several months a decline in household debt, and, and one of those uh, very important pieces is credit card debt. In fact, Tom, um, credit card debt has gone down in the last three months, $100 billion. And delinquency, Why has this been been happening? Why, fortunately, do we have this good news? And a couple of things have gone on. Uh, One, when uh, we had uh, large shutdowns, and of course we still have a a modicum of shutdowns here in North Carolina, when people couldn't go to work and when people uh, couldn't go shopping or couldn't go to restaurants, how this recession has been so, so different than our typical recession, but this has clearly been very helpful for households that rather than going more into debt during uh, the pandemic and during the the economic challenges, they've actually been able to reduce their debt. Well, I can testify to the truth
0: of what you're saying is that being incarcerated, uh, uh, as I was in a Mm -hmm. hospital facility and then coming home to in quarantine, I have spent almost no money in the last uh-huh, three months. Uh-huh. This may be the secret of my getting out of
1: debt. No, I. Uh, but uh, yeah, Mrs. Well, well, Mrs. Mrs. Well, and I are not heavy spenders, but uh, we would like to go out to dinner with uh, with friends, and we've not we quite frankly not done that. That's not to say uh, I mean other people make different decisions, but we've just not been ready to do that. We've not done any traveling. We had. We had a big anniversary, uh, the 4-0 anniversary, wedding anniversary, a couple uh, weeks ago, and we, we did absolutely nothing in terms of, uh, of uh, I mean, usually we have a big dinner for that, we have friends over, et cetera, that, that didn't happen. So, yeah, I can I can certainly understand this, that um, um, when when uh, you're worried about the economy, worried about going out, worried about getting infected, it, it affects your, your financial motives.
0: Dr. Mike Walden is our guest on WPTF Radio's Tom Kearney Show, tonight, 9 is our time. Uh, payroll tax deferral. Deferral. Yes, yeah, yeah. There we go. Well, uh, this, uh, the president,
1: um, let's see, this is, was it two days ago, I believe, was it Saturday, he, he made an announcement after the negotiations between uh, his administration and the Senate and the House did not get a new uh, coronavirus um, stimulus plan, and in particular uh, did not re-up the aforementioned $600 a week that the federal government was providing to unemployed folks. And that could still happen, but uh, as of now it's not. Uh, he uh, made four executive actions, uh, signed four executive orders, one of which was to define of the payroll tax. have about $2,100 extra uh, in their hands. Now, uh, the deferral part is interesting in that the president, uh, at least initially, is not saying this is forgiven. He's simply saying that we'll collect it later, uh, hopefully after the pandemic is over, although in. Actually, they're already doing that, but I think the mid-2030s is where it's really going to hit a wall. So this is not helping that, and, um, but again, uh, the argument could be on the other side that, well, we, we're in a crisis here, we need to get money in people's hands the best way we can. So, but this is a good example of there is, a, there is a downside, and the downside is this is not helping Social Security keep its financial system uh, above water. My question for the night, Dr. Mall
0: all in my house, the wall question is, isn't this uh, spending of money to help support people who need the money or to, to uh, replace job money and so on? But isn't that going uh, to foul the books up? I mean, it seems like an awful lot of
1: money has been spent. Well, anyway, it's all borrowed. It's all borrowed. All borrowed and and it's unique, printed by somebody. That's a unique um, feature of the federal government. The federal government can pretty much borrow whatever they want to borrow. Now, North Carolina State... Contrast that with the states. North Carolina is a good example of this. North Carolina can borrow only for certain things. We can borrow, for example, to build roads. We can borrow to build uh, school buildings, uh, courthouses, etc. That's pretty much it. Uh, the federal, uh, the state, state, of North Carolina cannot borrow to to balance its its major budget, which is called the general fund. And the general fund is what pays uh, uh, salaries of of teachers, and a large part of them, salaries of professors and and everything else, whereas the federal government can do that. So yes, all of these these um, um, forms of assistance, uh, the PPP, the Payroll Protection Plan, uh, the $600 that extra that unemployed folks are getting, um, all that money has has been balled and it has mightily added to the national debt. I think I think we're just just over the last several months, we've added maybe or four, four, four plus trillion dollars to the national debt, which means that we're going to be paying more interest on that down the road. Now, the question is, well, was an alternative? And, and this is, this some, some people may, well, I don't know what people think, but I'll give you my answer. And my answer is that you could look at the pandemic and the pandemic's effect on the economy as sort of setting the economy on fire. And if
0: who had sort of the theory that, you know, when you are in trouble, you, you spend money to get out of trouble. And what what is his name? John Maynard Keynes. John Maynard Keynes. This is kind of a Keynesian approach to things, in a way. Well, I, I, guess, it, I,
1: I guess I would say that it, <clears throat> that would be for the standard recession. Of course, standard recession, uh, even in the Great Depression, which was just an elongated recession in the 1930s. I mean, Keynes' point was that, or one of his points, when something happens to put the economy in, in a dire strait, and you, in, in his world, and, and all the world until now, it was usually was something financial like uh, stock market crash, uh, overindulgence in debt, uh, overspending on housing, which was the main cause of the, the last recession. Um, people get scared; uh, they stop spending; they, they save more money. And, and his argument was, well, you need something out there to first of all, put spending in the economy and get people's confidence up. Uh, this, this recession has been totally different. I mean, we, we went into this recession in the, uh, uh, I guess, officially, it started in February with the economy in very, very good shape. Uh, we had 3.5% unemployment. We had the GDP growing. We had uh, low debt loads. We had a booming stock market. And when I gave my economic outlook for 2020, I was very, very positive about the time. Most economists were. So this pandemic, I think, has been a little different. It was something that really hit us unexpectedly. Now, you can debate about whether we should have been more foresightful, but I'll leave that to the medical experts. But hit us, uh, to use a baseball analogy, out of left field. We weren't expecting that. And, and the, the fact that we had, in order to save our health, we had to sacrifice our economy, really puts this, in my view, on a different level. In my mind, it makes it more palatable to to borrow money from the future in order, as I said, to save a large part of your economy. I mean, I think if we didn't do this, we'd be looking at massive bankruptcies, personal bankruptcies, business bankruptcies, and we're already going to have a lot of
0: And that radio tonight is devoted to talking with uh, Dr. Mike Walden, professor of economics, 43 years at NC State University, and uh, he updates us every month on the state of the economy. Dr. Walden, you have one more topic for tonight. Well, Tom, Tom,
1: this should be a topic that's uh, dear to your heart and that um, uh, I just got a new report today from the National Bureau of Economic Research that looks at advertising. And how advertising has changed, and you and I both grew up in the 1950s, and, of course, if you think about that period of time, uh, where did you get your information on, on companies and what they were selling at what prices? Well, primarily from newspapers, but also from television. Of course, television was coming into its own then, and, and the radio, What the medium we're on now. Now, of course, what, what's, what's been the big game, game changer in the last couple decades, what's been digital. Uh, it's been the computer, it's been uh, the various uh, social platforms on the computer, it's been smartphones, etc. So if you look at what dominated advertising when you and I were youngsters, it was clearly uh, uh, newspapers, magazines, uh, television, and, and radio. Uh, today, uh, the share uh, of uh, newspaper ads is only 25% of what it was in the 1950s, only 25%. Newspapers have lost 75% of their ads. And right now, um, if you combine television and radio and compare that to digital, they're running neck and neck. They both have about the same share. But it's clear that digital is going to overtake uh, television and radio because the trend in digital has been just a sharp upward movement whereas uh, television and radio have, uh, have been rather stable. So this has been a big shake-up. I know you've, you've seen this at WPTF and, and, uh, and other mediums have seen this. It's been a big shake-up in how people get information about companies and products, et cetera, through advertising. When you say digital, exactly what do you mean? I mean um, computer and um, a smartphone primarily. Internet advertising.
0: I'm sorry. In internet yeah, advertising. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh huh. Hello. Tom. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Internet, internet advertising. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I wasn't hearing you there for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. I, I was just wondering what what when you were saying digital advertising, uh-huh. what what you meant because it's it it very definitely is doing what you're saying, and I I can remember uh, as late as the early nineties that. The newspaper was still the principal mm-hmm. way that one got Christmas advertising, for instance. Right, the, the right. Big, Well I delivered newspapers in my day, and the the Thanksgiving day paper was the biggest newspaper mm-hmm. of the year.
1: Right, right. And uh, but now young people, the kind of people, the young people I teach, I I I, I doubt they look at a newspaper or they look at a uh, they look at a magazine. And uh, obviously that's evident
0: in the, the fate of newspapers around the country. Yeah. Well, you've tied it up in a nice knot, Dr.
1: Walden. All right. Well, very good. It's always good to do that and good to talk to you every month. And we'll keep following our respective baseball teams and hope they all make the playoffs. And I'll let my people tell to your people about when you should be on next. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Thanks. Dr. Mike
0: Walden, professor of economics at NC State University, has a new book out. Don't forget that and uh, he will be back in approximately one month. We, We never tie his date down. He's kind of floating, but usually it's about the middle of the month, and today is, of course, August the 10th. Tomorrow night, we're going to talk to Bob Chandler of McVantage about things that have to do with Apple products here on WPTF.